Lucas on Life. Good evening. You're listening to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. Thanks so much for joining me here on Premier Christian Radio. Her Majesty the Queen hit the headlines recently when she politely declined the offer of the award Oldie of the Year, saying, you're only as old as you feel. Her Majesty, 95 years young, sent the Oldie magazine a message with her warmest best wishes. She's the nation's longest reigning monarch, due to mark her platinum jubilee next year after 70 years as our Queen. Now, in graciously refusing the award, Her Majesty is actually breaking step with past royal precedent because her late husband, the Duke of Edinburgh, was Oldie of the Year in 2011. Author and broadcaster Giles Brandreth, chairman of the awards, wrote to the Queen's private secretary to ask if she would accept the title. In a reply published in the magazine's latest issue, her assistant private secretary said, Her Majesty believes you're as old as you feel, and as such, the Queen does not believe she meets the relevant criteria to be able to accept, and hopes you will find a more worthy recipient. So tonight, here on Lucas on Life, we're thinking about seniors, pensioners, oldies, the elderly. In the wake of Her Majesty's refusal to be oldie of the year, we're thinking about the elderly. People watching is one of my favourite hobbies. Give me a spare 10 minutes and I'll happily park myself on a bench somewhere and just watch the teeming world go by. Now, fear not, it's not voyeurism, but I do enjoy wondering about the lives of those nameless people as they drift by. Who are they? And what are their hopes and their histories, their dreams? What are their stories? I look at the lines etched deep on their faces and wonder what circumstances drew those indentations. What laugh-out-loud moments of joy have been theirs? What jet-dark days of hopelessness and despair have they navigated? And where and what are they now? I know that as they stroll by in silence, their brains are probably buzzing. Tangible thoughts, must-do lists and mushy, shapeless feelings, unquantified by words, are crackling around inside those strangers' heads. Sometimes their eyes betray just a hint of what is playing on the screen of their inner selves. The slightest whisp of pain, fear, pleasure, wistful thinking, wishful thinking. Did I read them correctly, I wonder? I will never know. Just lately, I've been noticing older people. What's the definition of an older person? I suppose for me, it's someone who's older than I am. I've looked into the faces of hunched over old ladies, some of them with red-veined faces gouged deep where they frowned or smiled or cried. Some of them are bright-eyed, young in heart and face, the adventure still very much in progress. And some of them are now being greatly betrayed by their bodies, hunched over by bowing spines, their walk a laboured crawl, their watery blue eyes glazed against the cold. Sprightly old gents pass me by, all smart and blue-blazered, a regimental badge warm with pride on their pockets, some with cloth caps, clip-on ties and walking sticks with rubber ends, blue-rinsed ladies with headscarves and wicker shopping baskets and great thick coats. And I've just wondered, what on earth do these seniors think about today's world? Just yesterday, a couple that looked like they'd been married for life crept slowly past my observatory bench, and then a gaggle of 12-year-olds brushed into them roughly as they strode by, their loud swearing banter staining the air. I saw the sad look in the old man's eyes. He sensed their disdain and total lack of respect, 
He shook his head in defeat and resignation, and a fear that should never be permitted was written all over his wife's face. Perhaps they've known more than enough terror, being old enough to have walked through a world war. What must these veterans think of us? Many of us have never known what it is to go to the railway station to wave goodbye to a uniformed husband or father and wonder if you'll ever see him again as he goes off to war. We haven't known the endless grinding struggle of economic major depression, peering fearfully through our fingers during the bloody opening scenes of Saving Private Ryan has been the closest that we've known of the searing butchery of war. We haven't seen the death of hope and sanity that comes when people are forced to hack their lives out of each other on a battlefield, and yet mine is the generation of the great escape. We have doled our miniature pressures with substance abuse or on the soft padding of the psychotherapist's couch. We have far more than they in previous generations have ever had, and we take it for granted. Our toys, we feel, are our right. What do they think of us who've marched to defend what rights they had, but many of whom lost great chunks of their youth or their friends? What do they think of us? My father was a prisoner of war for four years, his youth swallowed up when he was captured early in the war in the desert of North Africa. The years that were supposed to be footloose and fancy-free were spent caged behind rolls of barbed wire. No Friday night laughter with mates at McDonald's who became pale and gaunt on a near-starvation diet. But he would never tell me very much about the wartime years. I used to think that his was a generation unable to speak. They could tell you what they'd done, but not what they felt but I think I was wrong. His was a generation that had glimpsed the unspeakable and perhaps some of them could never really feel anything fully again. To open the door on their innermost feelings for some would have been too dangerous and so they locked and bolted and got on with the job of trying to be sane again just by existing another day. Sometimes the elderly feel estranged in our churches because for them the music is too loud. The hymns that we have discarded, they were anthems of strength and hope for their journey. Yet we can dismiss those songs with a sneer and insist instead that they embrace our choices. Some of them are not so much stuck in the mud. They're just wearied by our changes here to stay obsessions. And in some cases, they've seen all of our brilliant new ideas before wrapped up in other packaging and they're just not impressed. So why don't we look again at that old boy whose nose and ears refuse to stop growing and whose eyes are misty with memories. Tread gently around the widow who has lost her friend, companion and lover of 60 years. Do not slap her with, well, he had a good innings. For her, the game ended far too quickly. Put the word codger away and let's stifle our giggles when Doris asks if we can please sing that hymn just once next Sunday, because week in, week out, she tries her best to get in step with our rhythm, hideous though it sounds to her. Are they irritating, crotchety, stubborn seniors about? Yeah, to be sure. But let's look again past fluffy hats and flowery frocks, past well-worn check jackets and dribbling noses, past silvery hairstyles and ties worn for shopping. There are treasures to be found in old vessels and they won't be here forever. It was one of those life skills that I never learned at school. School told me how many wives Henry VIII had, helped me glean information about Australia's mining industry, and even taught me the French word for station. 
But nobody told me anything about something you don't believe will ever happen when you're young. Yet it happens to every human being on the planet if they live long enough to experience it. And that is how to grow older well. Lately, I've been lamenting this glaring gap in my education because despite my insistence that there's been a terrible mistake on my birth certificate, old is what I'm getting. Older. Others are noticing, and they've been observing it for a while. I was offered over 60s discounts in restaurants before I turned 50. And then one time, a repairman came to our house, met me, and then later met my wife Kay, and asked her to pass on a message to her dad, referring to me. My lovely and apparently youthful wife didn't correct the misunderstanding, but called up the stairs, Dad! Recently, I walked into a clothing store, one normally frequented by younger men. As I pushed the door and stepped in, the pre-adolescent chap with skinny jeans that were probably impeding his circulation looked up and said, Hello, sir. Looking for something a little more trendy, are we? Just recently, when Kay and I checked in at the airport, a grinning airline person made that not terribly original comment. So, travelling with your daughter today, are you? Hilarious. Not. So, finally conceding that the clock is not just ticking, but racing, I've been grateful for one man who has been something of a distant tutor when it comes to ageing, growing old well. His real name is James, but for years, everyone called him Shotgun. I've got no idea why. He lives in Oklahoma, which may provide a clue. Shotgun is 93 years old now, and he's lived most of his life without wanting Jesus to be part of it. When he was just 12, he went to a church and told God that if he was real, then he'd like to meet him. Nothing happened. He described the experience as being one of the most disappointing of his life. He walked out and decided to ignore God for the rest of his days and lived the rough and ready life of an oil worker, often drunk, getting into fights and occasionally thrown into jail. It went on that way for some seven decades. His wife was the love of his life and so... When they were both in their mid-80s, she announced that she thought they should go to church, and he agreed. A short while later, Shotgun's wife became very ill. He was granted a rare privilege. One night, they lay awake for most of the night, reminiscing, reviewing their lives together, whispering words of love. In the morning, he awoke to find that she was not in their bed. She had got up, made her way to their sitting room, where he found her, sitting up against the couch quite dead. Six months later, Shotgun walked into his pastor's study and said, I'm ready. They knelt down on the floor and Shotgun asked Jesus if they could reconnect. Reconnect they have, and the result is beautiful. I'm going to Oklahoma again soon and I'm really looking forward to it, but it won't be the same because, you see, Shotgun won't be there. He has business elsewhere and I'll miss him. He's shown me what growing old, not just graciously, but beautifully, can look like. Because whenever we've met, he's always brought cheer to my soul, always tearful and tender. Everyone in his church loves him, and for good reason. He arrives for services early and makes them coffee, and he's still full of questions and shows the rare ability for a man of his age to be able to grow and change. But what's most noticeable about Shotgun is his kindness which is just quietly outstanding. In short, he cares, encourages, serves, learns. But this week, he's away on other business in heaven, 
because I just got news that he has passed. But I still talk about him in the present tense because shotgun still is. He's absent from the body, present with the Lord. And if there's coffee in heaven, which surely there must be, he's probably serving it right now along with that warm, winsome smile. I'll miss that smile, but not for too long. Good night, shotgun. See you in the morning, resurrection morning. And thanks for being a great tutor. May I grow older with grace like you did. And may we all treat those who are our elders with love, dignity and respect. As we wrap up tonight's show, I'd like to issue a challenge to you and for that matter to me. And that is that we see people. A complaint often made by the elderly is that people don't notice them, even dismiss them because of their age. And we can all be guilty of this, especially if we deal with people a lot. The busy doctor in the casualty ward is told that there's a broken arm in cubicle six rather than the recently widowed Mr. Jones who's had a nasty fall. And the shop assistant yawns, indifferent to the customer who's become just another commodity. The pastor looks out over the congregation, sees a crowd recording Sunday morning attendance numbers and financial offering figures, not noticing real flesh and blood people with hopes, dreams, needs and heartaches. The hunched figure wrapped in a thin sleeping bag in a doorway becomes a homeless statistic rather than a person with a name and a story. The great Jewish theologian Martin Buber spoke of our dangerous temptation to treat people as objects rather than subjects. All around us today are people, unique, needy, hopeful, hopeless, fascinating, young, and yes, elderly people. Let's notice them all. Lucas on Life.